really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Thank you so much for joining me here today. As I record this, it is Valentine's Day and it will air tomorrow, the day after Valentine's Day. But I'm going to talk all about love today since it is this very special holiday of love. And as I get started, I just wanted to mention that someone anonymously bought me five cups of coffee. I have one of my ways you can support this podcast and End of Life University is through a site called Buy Me a Coffee. And someone anonymously went on the site and bought me five cups of coffee today, which is just amazing. I love my coffee so much. And I already went out and got an an iced decaf latte to celebrate the gift that I received. And I just wanted to say thank you to whoever it is in case you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. And I'll mention that many years ago, we bought a book for our kids called Somebody Loves You. And it's about this box, a heart-shaped box of Valentine candy that was delivered to a lonely old man by mistake. But the box didn't say who it was from. The card just said, somebody loves you. And the story told how that man's life completely changed because he had received this box of candy and he became this pleasant, kind, wonderful person. He shared the candy with all of his neighbors and he was um, no longer the curmudgeon that he used to be. And just receiving that little anonymous gift changed everything for him. But it turned out in the end of the book, spoiler alert, that the post office came to ask for the candy back because they realized they were in notified they'd made a mistake and delivered it to the wrong address. And the old man was crushed that it it wasn't truly meant for him. He'd received this candy and it wasn't meant for him. But all the neighbors that he had connected with over the previous few days, partly because he wondered which of them might have given him that candy, All the neighbors he connected with saw what was happening. They had recognized the change in him and they all came around and spoke with him and comforted him and let them know that they cared about him. And so even though the box of candy was delivered by accident, he felt the love that some stranger had sent out into the world, he briefly received it and it allowed him to connect with all of his neighbors and it changed everything for him from then on. And um, that has been one of my favorite stories ever. It's called Somebody Loves You, Mr. Hatch. And um, I just wanted to mention that because, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing we can give gifts to other people anonymously and receive great joy from knowing that we can make we make a difference for them and we don't necessarily need them to know who we are who gave them the gift and it's almost more magical when it is an anonymous gift because then 
you can see how it could be anyone and everyone who sent the gift. And that's beautiful. That's a lovely way to look at life and to look at things around you. So to whoever sent me the five cups of coffee, thank you so much. You made my day and I do feel loved on this Valentine's Day. And I titled the talk for today, Finding Love in All the Hopeless Places, partly because lately it has been really challenging to be in this world, hasn't it? The despair of of living here on planet Earth has been mounting lately. I mean, we've been dealing with the um, the war in Ukraine, watching from a distance the suffering of the Ukrainian people and feeling helpless in so many ways to do anything to make a difference. We've watched continued degradation of the planet due to climate change, and that includes natural disasters, an earthquake that just happened in Turkey and Syria that took massive numbers of lives, and the The devastation is just horrific, the photographs that we're able to see. And once again, we feel so helpless and so hopeless in the face of these tragedies. Um, We can donate money to causes, to charities that we know are helpful to people that feels like as much as we can do. And the despair of witnessing the suffering is enormous. In addition, here in the U.S., we continue to have mass shootings. We hear stories of shootings almost every week, almost every day sometimes, of people being shot and killed horrifically. And it's, again, it feels overwhelming in so many ways, the despair, the pain, the hopelessness. And the fact that there's so little that we can do. So I wanted to dive into that despair and talk about it because I've been carrying that with me for weeks now myself and thinking about it. And I remembered, you know, no matter how dark things become, no matter how hopeless things feel, there is still love Because love is an energy. Love is light. It's an energy that cannot be created or destroyed. Love persists no matter what else is happening. No matter how how many brutal wars are happening. No matter how many natural disasters take place. No matter how many mass shootings take place. Love persists even though we cannot see it in any of those places, even though we find ourselves surrounded by so much darkness sometimes that it doesn't seem like there's very much light here, but love cannot be destroyed by darkness or despair, by hatred or by evil. Love persists. Love survives. And I found a little blog post that I wrote a number of years ago, and it was called Finding Love in a Hopeless Place. I talked a little bit about there's a song with that title that my daughter introduced me to right before uh, my husband and I flew back to Minnesota to be at the bedside of my father-in-law as he was dying. 
and he was dying in a long-term care facility, a nursing home, and I had so much dread about going there to see him, partly because my own grandfather died in a nursing home long ago when I was just a child, and I had nothing but terrible memories of that place, of the the dingy hallways, the sticky floors, the sickening odors of hearing patients crying out when we walked through the hallways, and just the desperation on people's faces in that nursing home. I dreaded going there to be with my father-in-law, and yet, of course, I knew we needed to go and be by his side. However, what we found in the facility where my father-in-law is staying is that it was quite lovely, very clean, odor-free, quiet, comfortable. The staff was very friendly and made us feel welcome and cared for. So, We decided to spend the night that night, not knowing when my father-in-law might die and wanting to be there because we'd flown all the way just to be at his side. So we held a vigil in his room and sat up, dozing off from time to time in his room, listening to his breathing. It reminded me of being the parent of a newborn and lying awake listening for every single breath. And even as there was a certain amount of despair and hopelessness in the room, knowing that nothing else could be done for him, he was slipping away and moving toward his death and nothing could be done to change that. There was also this pervasive sense of light and love in the room. The nursing staff was so gentle and caring as they came in to check on him and give him small doses of morphine to help him stay comfortable. The chaplain visited and whispered a benediction in his ear, which was just one of the sweetest, kindest things I had ever seen. His other children each came and visited. They shed tears. They gave him special messages. It was such a beautiful scene. And there was so much love that entered into the room in spite of the despair and hopelessness that accompanies death. Because yes, his physical body was dying, but at the same time, on the other side of that transition point, there was potential and possibility of something new that might exist once he left his body behind. And so I wrote about that, how we traveled to this hopeless place of despair and dying only to find love, endless love, beautiful love. And my realization was that The love had been there all along. It was only our ability to see it that changed. And holding vigil, staying up all night with my father-in-law was part of the ritual that helped us be able to see the love that was there and really revel in it as we participated in his transition. And I remembered how when I was a child, there was a popular song that came from a movie called Love is a Many Splendored Thing. 
And I remember my parents listening to that music at home. But what my young ears heard, not quite understanding the words, was love is a many splintered thing. And I remember thinking, oh, that means that love, it's like when a light goes through some kind of a prism and it, it shatters into various colors. That's, that's what happens with love. Love splinters as it, as it comes to us, as it enters the plane of earth. And so all through my childhood, I had this image, love is a many splintered thing. And I saw love as a a colored rainbow that would spread out in all directions and touch people everywhere. And once I learned the actual word in the song and understood what it meant, I still held on to that image because I loved it so much. The idea of love being a many splintered thing. And today I came across a quote from Rumi um, that reminded me of my, my childhood mistake I made (laughs) that says, love is the whole thing. We are only pieces. So we are the splinters of love. We reflect and refract the light as it travels through us and we radiate it and spread it out in all directions, in all colors, toward every hopeless place on the planet. We bring that love to the earth. We help spread it and share it. But what are we to do during these times of darkness and times of deep despair when we honestly cannot see the light and can't see the love, can't even feel it or generate it? How do we keep going? How do we keep moving forward in in this world where everything begins to feel so hopeless? And I'm reminded of the self-compassion practices that I've been learning and utilizing for probably six or seven months now, and how those practices are designed to remind us of the importance of caring for ourselves, even when we can't feel it, even when we can't see the love or feel it or generate it. They're practices that actually help us go through the pain and through the despair to get to a place of soothing and kindness. And so my favorite practice of self-compassion is first to just allow and acknowledge whatever pain is there. And the reminder is that these practices are not designed to take away the despair or to take away the hopelessness. They're simply designed to help us see the light that is already present within the despair and within the hopelessness, not to take it away, not to remove it, not to help us escape the difficulty and the pain. So the first step is acknowledging that it's a painful time and allowing our feelings about it, allowing ourselves to feel the pain, the fear, the hopelessness about Ukraine, about Turkey and Syria, about all the places that have experienced mass shootings for years now here in our own country. All of that pain, all of the fear, all of the worry, allow it to be present and simply be with it. 
acknowledge that we feel it all around us. We're carrying it and it's heavy. But the second step is to also remember that we are not alone with this pain. This sort of pain and hopelessness and despair is actually part of life. It's actually built in to this existence of ours. It's something that's shared by every other human on the planet, whether we can recognize that or not. We have to know that that is true. It's part of our human nature that we feel the pain. We feel despair. We feel hopelessness at times. That's part of who we are. And it's built in to our existence here on planet Earth. And so we are not alone. This pain is not here to personally victimize any one of us. This pain is, it's the shared difficulty of being human and it's shared by the collective of humankind. We're all experiencing it. We each experience it in our own way and we each have our own circumstances and our own special difficulties that we are struggling with, but no one, no human being on the planet is outside of the pain of humanity. We are all carrying it. We all carry the weight of it. We carry the despair. We carry the hopelessness. And so remembering that helps us not to become victims, but to remember that this, this is part of life. And so this is something, because I choose to be here, I choose to be part of this life. This is what life brings to each one of us. So I also choose to carry it, to be with it, to allow it to be within my life. And the third step of this self-compassion practice is to simply say, may I be kind to myself. Acknowledging that there's pain and despair and hopelessness, may I find a way to be kind to myself because that is where the love begins. That is where we first begin to see the glimmers of love. When we can show ourselves kindness, when we can put our hands over our heart and take in a couple of deep breaths and simply allow ourselves to be gentle to ourselves, to not demand or blame or ask anything of ourselves for a moment to just be, to just acknowledge the difficulty, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the hopelessness and just be with it, but to feel the power of our own breath to feel the beating of our own heart inside our chest. That's our first glimmer of the light of love. And so I just, I've needed to remind myself of that these last couple of weeks. And for me, this is the meaning of Valentine's Day and the love and the hearts that we share. And I know, I know Commercially, Valentine's Day is a holiday about romance. But for me, it's just so much bigger than that. It's about becoming a bearer of many splintered love, being able to 
reflect love in various ways to other people, to refract the light that's coming through me and to allow it to shine on others wherever they need it, but also to allow the light to be within me, to heal me, to heal my hurting places, my wounds, my despair, my hopelessness. And so I wanted to end with another little story that I'll tell you. That, and this story is a vehicle for teaching you the loving kindness blessing, which I think is perfect for Valentine's Day, especially this Valentine's Day. Um, I'll try to just shorten it up a little bit, but this story took place when I was a hospice medical director and got called to go to a nursing home once again, um, a, a place that, as I said before, I don't necessarily like to visit, but we had a patient who was being cared for in a nursing home and she was dying. She was only a few days away from dying, but her husband had become a real problem for the nursing home staff. He was angry and upset. He was constantly complaining. He would go to the front desk and yell at the nurses. He was threatening them, threatening to call the police or to call a lawyer, um, to sue the nursing home, constantly complaining about the care she was receiving, even though, in fact, the care she received was fine and perfectly adequate. But the nursing home staff was having a hard time getting their other work done because this man was continual, continually creating disturbances and taking them away from their other patients, just trying to deal with him. So they called me and asked me to come and try to figure out what they should do next. They were wondering if they should even discharge his wife to a different facility, which I thought would be horrible because um, she was just a few days away from dying and that would be such a cruel thing to do for her. So it was my job to go to the nursing home, to talk with the husband, to try to calm him down. And um, I wasn't happy about it. I was mad because I had other things I needed to do that day. The nursing home was an hour's drive away from my home. And it was the last place I wanted to go and the last thing I wanted to do. And I was angry at this husband for his anger. I was upset about that, that he was behaving that way. And I got called upon to have to deal with it. So as I got in my car to drive to go to go see him and talk with him, I threw my bag onto the front seat. And my planner happened to fall out of my bag and fell open to a certain page, which, you know, those kinds of things I usually... I usually see that as not necessarily random or a mistake. And I bent down to pick up my planner, curious about, huh, what page did it fall open to? And there it was, a page in the very back of, of my planner, where I had written down something called the loving kindness blessing. And I had written it down several years earlier when I was attending a workshop. I had just copied this on a page in the back of my planner. And I never looked at it again in all that time since that workshop. But when I saw it, I remembered, oh yeah, I think I, I wrote that down. So as I got into my car, I took that page out of the planner and read it. And the loving kindness blessing said this, may I be at peace. May my heart remain open. 
may I realize the beauty of my own true nature. May I be healed. May I be a source of healing for this world. Now, I read that in that moment as I was filled with anger uh, at this man and upset that I was being inconvenienced by having to drive to the nursing home to take care of this situation. And I realized, oh my gosh, I am none of these things. I'm not at peace. My heart's not open. I'm not sensing my the beauty of my nature. I'm just mad. I'm furious. And so I knew that it was not a mistake that that loving kindness blessing had come to me at that moment. So I put it on the dashboard, the piece of paper, and I kept repeating it to myself as I drove for an hour to this nursing home. And gradually my anger began to dissipate. I began to feel calmer and calmer. And what occurred to me is that I needed to change my attitude toward this husband. I needed to change how I was viewing him so that I could have greater compassion for him. And so I started imagining him seeing his face and saying the loving kindness blessing for him, to him. May you be at peace. May your heart be open. May you realize the beauty of your own true nature. May you be healed. May you be a source of healing for this world. So the second half of my drive there, I said the loving kindness blessing to him, um, somehow hoping like maybe this will help him soften a little bit before I get there to talk to him. And I got to the nursing home and went to our patient's room. And I, I stopped in the doorway and looked in. And there I saw this husband. And he was tucking the covers around his wife very gently and carefully. And then he straightened her hair. He touched her cheeks. He was speaking to her very softly and gently he, he caressed her face with his hands and he bent down and gave her a kiss. And instantly, it was so clear to me how much he loved her. He loved this woman and his heart was breaking open because she was dying. He was losing her. And his only way of expressing all of that pain was to get angry at the staff. That's how he had responded because he didn't know how else to tell anyone what he was feeling inside. And so I went into the room and I walked up to the bedside and he was standing on one side of the bed. So I went to the other side. He took one of her hands and I held her other hand and I just stood there with him. I just stood there. I didn't say a word. I just held her hand and I waited for a moment. And then it's as if he and I silently communicated. We both looked over at two chairs in the corner of the room. And at the same time, we gently placed her hands down by her sides and we walked over to the two chairs to sit and talk. And again, we hadn't said a word to one another yet. But we both knew that's what needed to happen. So we sat in the chairs and he looked at me and he said, did I ever tell you how she and I met each other? 
And he went on in that moment to share their love story with me, how they met and fell in love, about their their wedding, their life together. And it was beautiful. It brought me to tears. He cried as well. And I realized this is all he needed. He needed to be able to tell somebody how much he loved her and how much his heart was breaking because she was dying. And basically all I did in that entire visit was sit and listen. I, I just held space. I just was part of this vigil with him and her and I just listened and I let him tell me about his love for her and about his breaking heart. And that's all it took. His wife died the next day. I got a call from the nursing home director and she said her husband turned out to be so sweet and so kind to the staff after my visit. She didn't know what I had done or said to him, but it changed everything. He had no more angry outbursts and I didn't do anything. All I did was say the loving kindness blessing for me and for him to kind of calm down and soothe all of that energy. And it helped open my eyes so that I could see the love that was there. Yes, it, it was a hopeless situation, one of despair, and yet it was filled with love. There was so much love there coming from this man. And all I had to do was just show up in that space with an open heart. And that could create a place for him to share the love that he needed to share. And so from that day until this moment, the loving kindness blessing has been part of my life. And I share it with you in hopes that maybe it will be helpful to you too. I've told this story before and I share the loving kindness blessing a lot because it means so much to me. But who knows if you've ever heard the story or listened to one of the episodes where I talked about it before. So I decided Valentine's Day is the perfect day to share this story. So I will repeat the loving kindness blessing one more time uh, as I close this episode and I wish you a very beautiful and many splintered holiday of love. May you be at peace. May your heart remain open. May you realize the beauty of your own true nature. May you be healed, and may you be a source of healing for this world. Bye-bye.